When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There are so many amazing free plugins available for download right now to help you with your production and mixing. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash plugins to download and get access to a bunch of free and premium plugins on Plugin Boutique. Happy mixing, my friends, and enjoy the show. One, two, three. Hello and welcome back to the Mixing Music Podcast. I'm your host DK and today at NAM 2020, Winter NAM 2020, you can hear all the hustle and bustle. <laughs> right next to me, pumping his fist, Jesse Ray Ernster. How you doing, Jesse? What's up, NAM Goers 2020? Good to be here. Loving it, loving life. Hope you're all doing marvelously awesome. Going to modify Warren Hewitt's saying there and make it my own. Here we are, baby, NAM 2020. Well, before we start, dude, Congrats to a really successful year, Kanye, working on Kanye's album, having that under your credits list, getting nominated for a Grammy, African Giant, the one album that we actually talked about on an earlier episode. Congrats. Thank you very much. And uh, not to mention, I had a little baby girl uh, three months ago, and that's been the ultimate highlight of life and the ultimate challenge, Uh, extreme pivot in in the way of doing things and my, my daily tasks now, but... Amazing, yeah. I'm humbled by everything that's happened. That's amazing. We, we were talking earlier about having kids and how that affects business and how that affects music. And Man, kids are awesome. And people keep saying that, like, oh, like, I don't want to have a kid, but they don't realize it's not about 90% of the time. It's about that 5 or 10% of the time where it's just, like, amazing. It's, like, it's heaven on earth, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it, ultimately, it's not about us. We're, we're setting them up to help nurture them to grow into into the individuals that they're going to be and and we're investing in their lives so that you know they will grow up and get to experience all the things that we love that's right that's right and talking about families um i found out from your instagram you post something about your dad was in the music industry as well so you grew up around music is that right yep yeah he was a musician producer mixer so we actually played in bands together and we engineered records together and mixed stuff together all of the above and uh yeah, I grew up with a studio in the house and every instrument you can imagine, so that was the way that I was nurtured, and my mom was a songwriter as well, and uh, yeah, so we all kind of had it going on, and I, I had no choice but to catch the bug. <laughs> <laughs> and then I grew up with an Asian household playing piano for like 12 years, and then they said, why are you majoring in music? You know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, we're here at NAMM now today, and we talked to a lot of different companies, a lot of different equipment and new stuff come out. Who are some of your favorite companies that you've seen out here right today? Uh, without a doubt, 
the coolest, uh, it'll be two. The top two coolest that I've seen is the Sonix drum gate that they announced. Uh, the, so what's different about a regular gate in the Sonics one? Uh, the detection circuit, I call it a circuit, it's a plug uh, The detection section of this plugin is so intelligent and intuitive, and the way that it's able to separate uh, your kick or your snare from hi-hat and cymbal bleed, it's just, it's unparalleled and very, very, very impressive. Uh, the other company I'm really, really stoked about is Metric Halo, and this company goes completely under the radar. And I got their channel strip like 10 years ago and started using it. And at the time, it was like what I considered to be the ultimate, like in cleanliness and kind of a fab filter of sorts. And, but still, it is just remarkable. It sounds so good. And, and they have just an array of, of plugins in their suite. And I had a good time chatting with them today. And yeah. So it's not just EQ, compression, it's, it's a bunch of stuff. Yeah, they have different plugins uh, for saturation, transient design, uh, reverb. They've got one called Dirty Delay that I'm looking forward to trying. And, yeah, should be great. That's dope. That's dope. Yeah, coming around here, it's really busy. We're in the whole first floor. Actually, we're staring at Eddie Kramer right now, right across the room, which is kind of crazy. And we saw, did you see Andrew Sheps on the floor just a moment ago? I did, and I saw Andrew Sheps this morning at 11 o'clock in the morning just cranking down a Corona, a nice cold beer. I thought, man, that guy, that guy knows what's up. He's living the dad life. That's right, that's right. And everybody's crowding him, trying to get pictures with him. And I feel bad. I haven't gone up yet. I don't know if I should because <laughs> every, everybody's asking him. But it's a crazy NAM. We're having a good time here. Right now we're talking in front of the Amphion booth, which is funny. We love the Amphion guys. And you've been using Amphions for a while. Yeah, yeah. I love what they're doing. It's an amazing passive design. It's really well designed and the enclosures sound fantastic. And it's just really well thought out. They took the time to find the right components and get the crossovers right. And it's really low distortion, and it gives you a whole lot less to worry about with translation. It's a fantastic product. That's awesome. And I finally got to go to the ATC booth, where then this time, so on the back of the pamphlet that they give you, it says, to extend your warranty, sign this, fill this out, and then send it, ship it over to England. Right? So I was like, oh, I'm just going to see them here. I came over here, 26-year-old young punk. And they're like, oh, you don't know anything about ACs. And then I handed out this warranty thing, and they start taking me seriously. They're like, oh, <laughs> oh, you're serious? You got something? <laughs> so it was a good, uh, it's good crowd and some great equipment. So let me ask you, Jesse. Everybody kind of goes through phases where they try different techniques, they do different things. What's your thing right now? What mixing techniques are you using right now in, in your mixing that you're trying out? That's uh, <laughs> That's a great question. Well, after hearing some of the different seminars and talks from my colleagues today, I've, I've got some new ideas. One of the things that I just heard from Neil Pogue at Mix with the Masters is that he is approaching every single song uh, without a template. And he is challenging himself to, to completely reinvent the wheel with every single plug-in chain and every instrument. And he's just trying to approach it with a brand new perspective every single time, even if it's several songs on the same album that have a cohesive sound. And I thought that was really inspiring. Um, but to answer your question as far as what I've been doing, it's, it's really been a lot of just learning how to manipulate plugins in the box. And you know I have a rack full of gear that I, I love and I love to talk about. And I've modified a lot of the gear to be really, really cool to, to kind of cater to my needs. But yeah, I'm, I'm starting to really love the plug-in realm. And I, I do have to say a lot of that is from the in contribution from Dan Corniff and the Pawn Shop comp. Yeah. That, that plug I remember you talking about that one. Dude, it's, it's like, 
I could put that alone on every channel and submit a mix and it would be ready. It's just so flexible and the saturation and yeah, the gooeyness of it is just like unbelievable. I love it. <laughs> That's dope. So, I mean, uh, it's funny because Leslie, as you know, um, as you know that I've worked with him, he doesn't use any templates at all. And But I use a template. I have a single template. What it does is it sets up a master bus. That's all it does. <laughs> nice, nice. With, with Pro Tools now, you can, like, you know, recall inserts, so you can do a whole chain. So I've been messing with that. So instead of, like, presets or templates in the sense that I have, okay, for reverbs, usually my go-to is this specific reverb with this EQ on it, and I mess with it from there. So, yeah, templates is one of those things where I personally haven't gotten into it. It seems like you're trying to get out of it. Uh, I might. I might try. But my template is extremely open-ended. So it actually has four different Master Fader, like, scenarios. That, and then I audition all of them and see which one's cool. And then I've got literally, like, 15 different delay scenarios. You know, quarter, quarter, dirty, eighth, eighth, dirty, dotted eighth, dotted eighth, ping pong, dot, you know, all of these different scenarios. And then there's different scenarios where they feed, like, different, like, three different types of springs, three different types of plates, and... I just try to get all that happening, and then I have like an 808 bus that's crazy, an 808 bus that's wide and crunchy, an 808 bus that's going to be mono and trappy. And so I just kind of, if I know what I'm going to go for, I'll just drop the, the audio files into that auxiliary or into that, into that track, and I'll just I'll try a bunch of stuff, and it helps me go really, really fast. And then I end up like getting rid of three-quarters of the template. And so in a way, it's, it's all just a starting point. Yeah. So tell me about that plugin that you were just talking about. What was it called again? Uh, the Pawn Shop Comp? The Pawn Shop Comp. So I saw you talking about it on your Instagram. You just said some nice things about it right now. What is it? Pawn Shop Comp is a FET-style compressor uh, made by Dan Corniff. And it also has a tube stage, a preamp stage, and a, an overall tilt EQ that you can use to shape the sound. And then it has swappable components. So you can swap out the FET stage. You can swap out the resistors. And these things make massive differences in the sound. And then there's also a mix knob, and you can change like the resistance, and, and soon to come will be an update where you can swap out the tubes and try different stuff. And dude, it's just, you can make it just squishy and sound like you're just blasting into a tube box, or it can be just extremely aggressive and let the transient through and just like pump your mix. And, but to, as you crunch up the saturation, like you can do a single note guitar pattern that's just dun, 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 dun. Turn up the tube saturation knob, and it will break up those notes with second and third order harmonics and make it sound like it's playing power chords. Just gorgeous distortion without all that fizzy top end that's aliased and really has nothing to do with the fundamental sound of the, of the notes that are being played. It's gorgeous. It sounds like just amazing tube breakup. It's like you will never believe it's a plug-in. You would almost think, like, this is triggering an analog device somewhere across the interwebs <laughs> at Dan Corniff's house. Like, it's crazy. So you're, you're, you use it for compression, obviously, but it, it sounds like you're using it a lot for the coloration as well. Yeah, and I'm using it almost for clipping a lot of the time on, like, percussive elements. I do a lot of, like, Afrobeat and, and urban music and R&B, and you get a lot of these really really clean, transient-type percussive elements and instruments that come in from a lot of these samplers. And that stuff can be really pokey. So I'll use this thing to just kind of shave it down without sounding like it's been shaved down. It just makes everything rounder and fit down in the mix nice without interfering with the, the consonants and the transients from the vocal. I want the vocal to be the star. 
So talking about that, I've been listening to a lot more of your mixes since our first episode that we did together. Um, you're pretty diverse. I'm granted you come from a music family, you've been into it. You're pretty diverse with your mixes, and to be fair, the mixes that I have heard, amazing. And big props to you and your ears and every all the whatever it is that you're doing, some magic that you're brewing. Um, what would you say is your sound? Like, what is your sound? Why do people come to you? You think? Well, that's always evolving, and I'm always trying to ask myself what that is. So what is it right now, or what has it been before, I guess? Right now, I'm trying to get really great at balancing. Delivering something that is perfectly representative of what the artist wanted with a, um, an immaculate depiction of the reality of the band that's on the stage or in the room. If you close your eyes while you're listening to that recording, it's a believable reality that's, that's being simulated. And, you know, that's everything from having the vocals be glued into the band with the same type of space and ambience and, and reverberation happening behind the mix. And when things aren't cohesive like that, it, it separates me from that, that experience of listening to the song. And I think, well, this, it, doesn't, it doesn't sound believable. Because I do come from that background of working with real bands. I shouldn't say real bands. Uh, I should say uh, real scenarios that have a real room where everybody tracked at the same time. So I was tracking a lot of country and rock bands in the Midwest, and I'm a metal guy and a jazz guy, so I have this taste that I like, and then I have this music that I kind of was forced to work on because of the environment that I came up in. And now I'm out here and I'm working on a lot of, like I said, urban, R&B, and, and pop and all that. And so I'm kind of just, it, it becomes an amalgamation of, of my taste, my experience, and what I'm fed with to, to work on now. So, yeah, trying to create a believable sonic environment so almost coming from like a hi-fi perspective where the entire point of all these hi-fi people is they get really nice speakers to make it feel like they're performing in the room so like you're trying to make it feel real and how how is that kind of differentiating as far as the vibe of the songs compared to whatever stage of life you were in previously uh well i had to stop being obsessed with certain elements of the mix uh drums was my very first instrument and so naturally, I was just, I think like a lot of engineers, obsessed with getting a snare sound. And for literally five years of my life, I can look at all of the mixes I did in five years from about 2014 to like 2019. And I think that was Jesse trying his best to get an amazing drum sound with everything else in the, in the mix taking the back seat. <laughs> and I was complimented for that. And I think that, yeah, the drums were great. But like, that is not the star of the band, man. And, and there are ways to make that happen where the drums can be up front and alive and just cracking and crushing, but still not getting in the way. And a lot of it's just the crack and the transient of the snare and the space that you create with the snare to, to wrap around the vocal. But that vocal's just got to, it's got to be the star. The, the, the song, the message, that, that is, that's what we listen to songs for. The chorus and that feeling, that feeling you get when you're listening to, the, to a great pop hit. Or when you're, you know, you're at Sunday service. Not Kanye's, so well, maybe his Sunday service too. But, you know, whether you're at a house of worship or you're at the jazz club or you're sitting with your AirPods in, you know, it's, it's got to be, it's got to be right. That's awesome. I've also been trying to figure out a balance. And there's this weird combination, especially because I only, mostly only do like R&B hip hop. Um, sometimes I do other genres as well, but that's kind of what I mostly cater to. Even, there's a difference between what I feel like is catering to the culture of the genre 
and catering to what the song is asking for. I've realized noticeably that, like, noticed recently that some songs they want to go someplace, and you're only helping it take it there. Like, to a certain degree, every song sounds different, even when I mix it every time, just because every song wants to sound different. Do you do you find it's being the same sort of way when you mix as well? One hundred percent, and we can only hope that the artist would allow us to. Uh, humor them or ha have them humor us what, by taking them on that journey and giving them a hypothetical like, hey, here, here's one option. I really think that the song is asking for this. Could we try this? And in those scenarios, that's what I do. I deliver a mix that is what I think should happen, and then I deliver them the mix that they want. And most of the time, they'll, they'll usually want to compromise. They'll say, okay, I want, I want my mix, but I do want that, that delay thing, or I want that arrangement change that you made where you extended the solo and you brought in the background vocals to tag the chorus over that. So like, wow. You know, so sometimes I'll go there, uh, but you got to know when to do it because I've definitely encroached at times where, where artists felt like I was trying to uh, bring my producer's ego in and change their brilliant creation and sometimes, yeah, sometimes you can't do that and you can't step over the line. But So let's play a little game real quick. So I want to share with you some quotes that I've read within the audio and music world. And I want you to immediately share your opinion. So, for example, recently I saw a quote, balanced mixes are boring. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, get fader throws and, and throw things up and make it change, make it interesting, make it bizarre. Yeah, a balanced mix is not exciting. <laughs> Completely contradicts what I was saying earlier, but <laughs> everything has a character, you know. Like, okay, next one, next one. Um, this is a Jason Joshua quote: "F your rough, f your rough mix. I'm here to make, I'm here to make pop records that sell." Well, there's a time and a place for that. I'm, I, I have a list of artists that I think are, I have a relationship with that would, they would be receptive to that comment, and then there's there's the other list of artists that I work with that would. You throw me out the door and I would be out of the job. So, but I think somebody like him who's in that position, uh, it's beautiful. And yeah, I mean, he does it so well that I think any artist on the, in the, on the planet would be a fool to not surrender to his ideas. I, I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm still learning. And frankly, every time the artist does come back and say, no, I liked my rough, I, my first instinct would be to say, well, you're, you're wrong. And my idea, no, 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 no. That, that's all wrong. Because I'm learning now that every time I do open myself up to considering that maybe they are right. I take something away from it and I learn and I think I find a way to, to get there and they are right. The artist is right and the way that they want it is the way it should be. It doesn't mean it's right for us, but art, art is subjective and it's our job. We are in the service industry. We're in, I mean, I'm not like ever going to be Quincy Jones producer where it's my way, even though he's a sweet heart of a human being. No, I am in the service industry and I'm here to help the artist. I'm a middleman to help them get their art out to the masses. And I have to put my ego aside sometimes. Good. Um, how about this one? Modern sounds require modern tools. Uh, no, I don't totally agree with that. I, I think you could go back in time. You could bring a multi-track recording from 2020 and bring it back to 1985 and you could mix the snot out of that bad boy on an SSLG a 4000G plus, which those didn't come out till the, I think the late 80s. But yeah, dude, you could do it. I don't, I don't think we need the high fidelity or the extra frequencies that a, that a tape machine wouldn't produce. No, 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 no. 
Uh, this is a DK quote, so I don't mean to quote myself. One of the most important jobs of a mix engineer is to give the artist the confidence in their song. To give the artist confidence in their song. That's the biggest value that they get from mix engineers. Dude, that's awesome, man. Nice. That's great. <laughs> Do you feel like every time, obviously, when they're happy with it, you've done all the revisions, isn't that what it's all about? Like, you want them to be confident. Like, well, by the time you're done with it, they're thinking, oh, my gosh, this is the best thing that's happened. This is the best that it can sound, right? Yeah, that's the ultimate reward. I think that. Uh, the only thing better than that is seeing fan reception uh, that, that mirrors that notion, where when fans hear the music and, and you see people sharing stories. Uh, we talked about this when African Giant came out, but I was... I, I was so excited when it came out. I was following the tweets, and I was just reading the reviews that were coming in like every two seconds, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds like every few minutes. And people were saying that certain songs brought them to tears, and they were reflecting on like losing loved ones recently, and like this song made me feel this, or this song just made me want to dance. Like, dude, that is the ultimate. Because like I have goosebumps thinking about what what I feel when I listen to Let It Be, or you know. It's, Something from Alice in Chains, that would be my favorite. <laughs> hey, it's all about getting a feeling. And to make an artist feel confident is the ultimate goal. Yeah. Awesome. I had another one, but I forgot it. So I'm going to move on, to the, I'm gonna move on <laughs> to the next thing, which is you were mentioned just a minute ago that you're a metalhead. You like metal music, right? Yeah, I'm about to go watch Animals as Leaders play at the uh, Yamaha Grand Plaza st stage right now at 6 p.m. Hold on, wait a second. Even I know Animals as Leader, and I'm not even in that world at all. That's dope. Hold on. That's, that's cool. But anyway, how much do you think heavy metal music, specifically maybe the drums and the kick drum, and hip-hop music, do you think it's kind of influenced each other at all? Do you think it's kind of how, how do you think both genres are moving? Do you think it's coming, coming closer together? Do you think they're influencing each other? I don't know. I'm, to be honest, I don't follow either genre as closely anymore. Um, as you can relate to, we work on such a high volume of music now that I have a very low amount of time where I'm able to just spend time listening to music actively and discovering new stuff, unfortunately. Um, unless I'm in the weight room. But, uh, yeah, I, I think technique-wise, it, it would, I would say that the, I can measure the comparisons there. And, yeah, just the way that things are pushed and the aggression... And there are definitely similar things happening with the clipping of transients and doing things to make drums just hit. And when, when hip-hop artists talk about making things slap, I think it's really similar to what a metal band would want when they just want things to punch. And you just want to get hit in the face. Everybody loves big, banging drums. Do You never want to go to a show and just have the drum mix be weak. Like, how in the world will you get into the groove if the drum mix is weak? Come on. The, the, the owner of Amphion... Um, he was saying that the entire point of the design of the speakers was this idea of it's not notes, it's not frequencies, it's a transference of energy. Everything is just energy. He wants that energy to translate through the speaker, and that was the entire idea of, and his ideology. And I actually really agree with you. Like, it's not about sounds, it's not about notes or frequencies. Sometimes it's honestly just we want the music to move the air, you know, to a certain degree, which is a really cool idea. So... Last thing before we finish up, um, I want to ask you. We're doing this right now. We're setting a goal right now, I guess. Or maybe, maybe you think about something that you've never thought of before. So it's 2020. It's 2020. How many more years till you're up there on the Mix with the Masters booth? 
I am not sure. I, I can, <laughs> well, I can directly answer this with a, uh, a counter goal because uh, one of my goals right now is to be embracing collaboration a bit more. Um, I think everybody in the event center right now, everybody I'm looking at is, is here with personal goals and with an agenda of how they can you know, enhance themselves with personal growth. And I'm all about that. Uh, I think that to an extent, though, that can be very unhealthy. And I have definitely been guilty of following my own self-interest a lot of the time. And so lately what I've been doing is trying to find ways to bring in my peers and bring in artists I love and bring, put this writer with this guy, uh, network and, and get my friends together and, and how can I bring this mixer in to, to work on this project with me and sort of share the love and, and sh share it and bring a sense of community because I, I, I'm having a better time with that and when I get to share it with people, it's really cool and so a goal of mine will be to like bring in an assistant by the end of the year and somebody I can kind of work with and not even mentor and not even like work over, but work together with like an equal, a colleague, somebody who, you know, we can trade tricks back and forth and yeah, yeah, all of that. So I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully I'll be up there if I feel that I'm ready to, to offer something of value. I don't want to be up there a minute before I'm, I'm ready because the guys on that stage and, and like yourself and everybody here, I feel like everybody is, has so much to offer and I'm still a student, man. I'm sorry. I just, I just spit on DK here, you guys. I spit on him. I'm a student. I'm still learning, so I'm not ready for that yet, but I'm going to keep working and working on my craft. Are we all still students? And I think the way that you answered that was totally beautiful. And I think that that's why I feel like you've had so much success this year, and I think that's why everybody's rooting for you. And I think that's why you're going to find so much more success in the future because really in the end, business, economics, capitalism... It all just comes down to, to a certain degree, it all just comes down to your work ethic and are you a nice guy? Do people want to work with you? It's those repeat clients that make you money, not the first time clients, right? And so what you just said, I really look up to that and like really, really feel that. That is what it's all about. And that's, to be fair, you're saying it's not about you, but I feel like that's what's going to bring you up as well. And I think you're an amazing example and something that we need more often in not just the music industry, but in the world in general today. So thank you for saying those things. Uh, thanks, man. I, I, one last thing I will say, I think it's th this generation of audio engineers and audio professionals, I think, I think we are, a, and I don't speak politically when I use this term, but uh, I think we are a progressive bunch and a more empathetic bunch than maybe the generations that preceded us uh, or came before us. And I think that having a sense of community and looking out for one another and and just being more aware of our impact in society and how we treat each other and how we even drive next to each other on the road and and you know I, I and the little things I think it, it goes a long way well thank you on that note you've been listening to mixing music uh, stay tuned for special AES special where I uh, put together, stitch together a bunch of booths and talk about some products from NAM. Or sorry, not AES, NAM. I said AES. <laughs> NAM. Uh, thank you so much, Jesse. Good luck to you in the future. Um, hopefully we'll do another couple podcast episodes together, get more deep and technical. Um, <laughs> yeah, you've, you've been awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you on social media and find your more information about you? Yeah, at Jesse Ray Mix or just jesseraymix.com or, uh, yeah. 
There it is. You heard it here. JesseRayMix.com, at JesseRayMix. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Happy mixing, and stay saucy. One, two, three. This episode of Mixing Music with DK has been brought to you by Launchpod Media. If you want to start a podcast, make sure to start it right with Launchpod Media. Hey, what up? It's DK. Thank you so much for listening to the Mixing Music Podcast. I just want to do a quick plug. Did you know that I write kids' books? If you have children, nieces, nephews, I have books that are totally available for free or $10 on Amazon for physical copies. You can go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash kidsbooks to get access and learn more about that. Thank you for all of your support. Now let's get back to the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.